Welcome to episode eight of the Pharmacist Matters podcast. I'm your host, Justin Bates. Well, it's September and the kids are in school, the economy is open, and pharmacy professionals in Ontario are asking themselves the question of whether to test or not to test. We are starting to see an increase in COVID cases across the country, and with the flu season rapidly approaching, there is an ongoing debate about pharmacy's role in testing. I do hear from some pharmacists about staying in our lane, and some who express reservations about being in this space. This kind of takes me back to when the flu vaccine program was first introduced a few years ago, as change is never easy. The difference this time, though, is that we are in the middle of a pandemic, and access to appropriate PPE is certainly top of mind. The Ontario Pharmacists Association has proposed an opt-in asymptomatic COVID testing model to give patients choice and access, add to the capacity of the public testing centres, help keep the economy open, and protect public health. I think it's important that we embrace this opportunity and showcase the true value of being a community healthcare hub. There is one province that has already gone down this path, and that is Alberta. I am delighted that with us on today's program to talk about the model is Margaret Wing and Bruce Winston. Margaret obtained her pharmacy degree from the University of Alberta and continued her education by obtaining her MBA from Athabasca University. Her career spans the pharmacy retail industry, working as a pharmacist, pharmacy manager, regional manager, and independent pharmacy owner. Her in-depth knowledge in pharmacy and passion for leadership has led to her current role as CEO of the Alberta Pharmacist Association. Margaret has been advocating for pharmacists across the province and has provided leadership over many important initiatives that have significantly advanced the practice of pharmacy in Alberta. Also joining us on today's program is Bruce Winston. Bruce is an entrepreneur and pharmacist, having graduated from the University of Alberta in 1985. One year later, with the assistance of his two mentors, he purchased his first pharmacy in North Calgary. In 2004, he founded Apex Pharmacies Limited, which now operates around 20 pharmacies in Alberta under the Sandstone Pharmacies brand. Bruce's current position at Apex is president and he is a director. While he is responsible for the overall operations, management and financial control of the corporation's business, he retains a deep personal commitment to the practice of pharmacy. Bruce is also a board member of the Alberta Pharmacists Association, where he currently holds the position of president-elect. Well, let's jump right in and start with Margaret. It's great to be talking to you again about how Alberta is leading the way on yet another initiative. I'd really like to our listeners to have an understanding of how COVID testing came to be in the province, how you're the genesis of it, and uh, what your thoughts are on how it's going. Hey, hi. Thanks, Justin. Thank you for having me. And as you know, um, my favorite topic is uh, pharmacists in Alberta. So appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation. To give you a little bit of background of how we got to the point we're at in Alberta right now, I do have to go back to March. Of course, that was um, when COVID was starting to really get a lot of attention and it was changing all of our lives. At the association, you know, we very quickly realized that pharmacists were going to play an essential role in providing care around COVID. And that was immediately highlighted when in Alberta, a lot of um, people were trying to get through to our 811 health line. So that's HealthLink in Alberta. That phone um, 
care system typically gets about 2,000 calls a day and immediately it was at capacity. Since then, they've increased their call capacity to about 5,000 calls a day. But as you can imagine, and it was probably happening in many provinces, there was a lot of um, spillage over into pharmacies. So pharmacists were taking a lot of calls. They were spending a lot of their time with patients. And really, we um, went to government right off the bat, recognizing that there was a great deal of demand on pharmacists for their time. So we thought actually it would be quite seamless to have a discussion where pharmacists could provide a patient assessment related to COVID, screen the patient, and then subsequently test them. Of course, as soon as you get into those conversations, you realize how complex they become. And so in this um, current situation, at the, in March, the best we could do was enable something called assessment for infectious disease, whereby the pharmacists were um, funded to provide information related to COVID because we couldn't get processes and pieces set up to enable screening and subsequent testing. And of course, it was already very new, the whole testing situation within Alberta Health Services. So they were trying to figure things out at their end. So it wasn't a big surprise that we couldn't get the screening and testing right off the bat. However, as we moved into April, we were very clearly hearing this consistent message from our premier that he wanted to increase testing capacity, that that was a primary focus for our government. And so we knew that that was certainly something that we wanted to align with them on. So in May, we subsequently submitted a very formal, detailed proposal that would help us work through all of those very specific operational issues that would talk about which patients would get the test, which test kits would be available, which pharmacists would be able to provide the test, you know, wh which practice environments could they provide the test in, um, how would results and follow-up happen, how would the kits be distributed, of course the whole conversation around PPE and compensation. So that just gives you a little bit of background of how we got going. That's great, thanks for, for that overview. I want to bring in Bruce uh, to talk about how the testing happens in pharmacy uh, and, and to you know basically paint it out uh, for our listeners um, of how this is going. Thanks, Justin. I'd like to start by saying that I'm providing my personal opinion on this podcast as a pharmacist and as an owner of a group of independent Alberta pharmacies. It was great hearing from Margaret again how this uh, service came about. Usually when we work with government, it seems like it's a really long journey, but this one ended up being a, a pretty short trigger and, uh, um, and it's a great service. I think it's up to each pharmacy team at the counter along with the owner to decide if this service should be offered at a particular pharmacy and you know together if they decide it's a service they'd like to offer to the public 
then they should tailor their own policies and procedures to best suit their particular staff circumstances and and the makeup of the staff and the pharmacy layout. Uh, you know, they have to be compliant with the program information that was provided by Alberta Health, uh, the Alberta College standards, um, and you know, as, as we know within our group now for sure, uh, they have to be compliant with OHS guidelines. We've, we've had a couple of uh, um, officers from OHS come out and take a look at um, how we're conducting the tests, and, and, and we've had a, an Alberta College practice consultant out as well. Um, you know, I think when, when I think about it, the, the, comments that were coming from pharmacists in message groups uh, were around the requirement for PPE and and you know the Alberta Health Protocol does not require gowns to be worn but we're making a recommendation you know to our group that uh, that they that they wear a gown when they're doing the swabbing. <clears throat> for my group of pharmacies I have about half of my locations that are actively testing. And we've completed uh, over 1,500 uh, tests um, in, in my group of pharmacies. I have a few locations where the pharmacists have decided for their own specific reasons that they're not interested in testing at their location. And, um, and to complicate things, uh, when we look at our own scheduling, uh, not all the pharmacists in some locations are comfortable doing the swabbing, but, but others are. The number of swabs a pharmacist can complete without extra staff is, it's really dependent on their average script volume, but um, a rule of thumb that I'm now using is it's probably uh, a similar uh, number of swabs that they can do to to the number of injection appointments that they were comfortable booking in their regular workflow. So, you know, we're trying to accommodate testing almost exclusively by appointment. That really helps us with our workflow. Now, I try to be really clear with the team that they control the workflow. They can decide how many swabs they're comfortable doing in a shift. You know, it's similar to uh, a swab that we would have been doing in our in our pharmacies for um, for the strep A test. Where I weigh in as the proprietor is to provide some guidelines for them about the minimum number of swabs I'd like to see them book if they want to bring in an extra pharmacist uh, for uh, you know for the shift during the day. As soon as the list of pharmacies providing the service was published in Alberta, the phone started ringing like crazy and, and the staff were having to spend way too much time sorting through patients' questions even before coming to the conclusion of eligibility and, and you know, there are strict eligibility criteria that's set out by Alberta Health. Then if a patient was eligible, all of a sudden, you know, they both both the pharmacist and the patient were, were comparing uh, calendars and available time slots and, and it, just, it just started really sucking up time. So we've moved, we've now migrated over to a scheduling app where um, 
we can text uh, a link to the patient to start the screening process themselves. And, uh, and where we have in our locations where we have an IVR system attached to the phone, uh, we have a message you know, uh, that's right at the front um, of the message tree to, to let uh, patients know that we are participating in testing at that location and we're suggesting that they go to Alberta Health's 811 site to, um, uh, to see if they would be eligible for the asymptomatic testing in pharmacy. So once, once we find out that a patient is eligible and, and they've done um, you know, their, their online screening through the app, um, you know, they then can take a look and uh, um, schedule the appointment in an available slot. It's become, you know, clear to us that um, this has really helped us in workflow and we're going to use the same application when we start booking flu shots in October. So the pharmacist, um, uh, once they see that a patient has completed that booking process, you know, they'll confirm the original screening uh, questions with the patient and then the pharmacist has to reconfirm that there were no changes on the date of the test. We accomplish as much of this as possible even before the patient steps into the pharmacy. And that way, you know, uh, the patient is really only inside the pharmacy for a few minutes. We confirm their identity. We, we've made a decision that we want to do a temperature check. Um, so we do that when the patient arrives. Um, we relay the information that Alberta Health has scripted for us uh, about the testing, how results are conveyed, um, what they should expect, and uh, to reconfirm their consent. And then we complete the swab. The patient remains masked, um, I mean, the whole time, except for when, when we're conducting the actual swab. And they've used hand sanitizer before entering the consultation room. Once they leave, the pharmacist sanitizes the testing area and preps the room uh, for the next patient. Um, for us, you know, one of the other questions that we heard uh, from uh, the pharmacy community was, could we test outside the pharmacy? And, and um, uh, right now, the guidelines from Alberta Health are that we have to conduct the, the COVID-19 test uh, in a private area uh, within the pharmacy. So, you know, we're not able to go out into a tent in the parking lot or off-site uh, to uh, a community hall. Um, so, you know, our cleaning protocols um, are, are um, comprehensive and um, and the pharmacist makes sure that the room is ready for the next patient. At the end of the day, uh, we send the batch of swabs that we've completed that day to the lab for processing. We wait for the results to be posted on the electronic health record, and then we contact the patient by phone and 
communicate the results and um, and their next steps. Thanks for the comprehensive overview, Bruce. Uh, I'm fascinated with many of the elements that you uh, expressed and, and described on how it actually is working in a pharmacy. Um, and I want to unpack that a little bit. But before I do that, uh, Margaret, I wanted to ask you, uh, because Bruce mentioned something about um, the parameters of the program and how it's confined to the uh, space in the pharmacy. And I know one of the things that we have proposed to government here in Ontario is to be able to take the test and the pharmacist to uh, a specific location. And I think can think of schools as being one such example where perhaps having a pharmacist go in and test teachers, test students or into an employer. Um, is that something that are, are discussions underway with the government uh, in that respect? Yeah, they, they certainly are, but I think it's um, important to reflect on the number of different guidelines, policy pieces that were worked through. So maybe I'll comment on that first, and then I'll circle back to the specific um, question that you brought forward. Bruce had mentioned um, around the patient that we're only testing asymptomatic patients and how that's defined is obviously someone with no symptoms, but also someone that has not been um, previously or currently exposed to someone who's tested positive for COVID or who has traveled outside of the country. So that, when we got to that point of trying to decide which patient pharmacists could test, that obviously created a bit of concern for us. And part of it was we weren't sure how the general public would react if in fact someone did present with symptoms and then we had to defer them to Alberta Health Services. And, you know, we, so we struggled with a lot of these conversations. In hindsight, they seem like they're very obvious, but going through it, um, they weren't obvious. And I'll say in this respect, I feel that that was the right decision. In fact, Alberta Health did not want to see pharmacists testing symptomatic patients at all. So that was where we landed on it. And I think that that, at least as a first step, is absolutely the right thing. Um, we're not seeking to change that parameter. I think we're just still very early days in this, so that made sense. Another concern that came up was which exact test kit would one be available and two be within our scope to offer. Very quickly, it was determined that nasal swab was a restricted activity for pharmacists in Alberta. We're not able to offer that. And so subsequently, the only test kit available would be the throat swab kit. And so that's why you'll hear that one referenced specifically in Alberta that um, we're doing that. And of course, Alberta Health Services had to then go back internally and try and determine the number of kits that they could make available out to community pharmacists. We also had discussions around which pharmacists could offer the service. One, there had to be the requirement where they would have the um, knowledge and skill set to offer swabbing. And of course, many pharmacists in Alberta have already been doing throat swabs for um, uh, strep testing in the province. So that wasn't a unique practice to us. Uh, we are, you know, many pharmacists already do that. And also uh, RxA created an online educational platform to help support them 
should they just be starting throat swabbing? So that education piece came up. Also, pharmacists had to have their practice ID number. Uh, many pharmacists in the province, a little over 4,000, already have their practice ID number. And this is something that was required for them to order lab tests in the past, which they have in many um, instances related to other patient care needs. So in this particular case, though, where the practice ID became important was to create a formal recognized um, authority with the lab they were working with to, in fact, get the test kit to be able to perform the test and be recognized as a healthcare provider with that authority, and then to order the test and receive the results. So practice ID is a requirement for participating in this program. And then, of course, we had the conversation that it would be a voluntary program only if the pharmacist did want to offer this service. Uh, we had the conversation that Bruce mentioned about how would we receive the results of the test and what the follow-up process would be, which he did speak to, and how would we actually get the test kits. Um, currently, what's happening when pharmacies first enroll is they'll receive 100 test kits. After that, they have to reorder them and then they have to return the samples directly to the lab within 48 hours of testing. So that's a new uh, piece. We had hoped there would be an ability for other mechanisms to get kits to pharmacy that are either traditional pharmacy distribution or lab could do it, but lab did not have the capacity to do it. So that was what we settled on. We had very lengthy conversations about who would cover the cost of PPE or could the government provide PPE. Back in April and May, uh, RxA had worked quite extensively with government and had ultimately seen a delivery of PPE shipped to every pharmacy in the province. That program probably distributed around $400,000 worth of PPE out to community pharmacy. And while it was very um, great that the government did that and pharmacy was very appreciative because at that time we were having a very hard time procuring it ourselves. I think we both could admit that it wasn't executed well or timely. And so we recognized if pharmacists were doing COVID testing and they needed PPE in a very um, timely manner, it became, I think, quite obvious that it would make more sense to simply cover the cost of PPE within our program and let us procure our own product. So ultimately, when we got to the conversation of compensation, with it being only testing of asymptomatic patients, we realized that there would be a, an assessment and screening of the patients whereby the patient may then be referred to Alberta Health Services for testing should they be symptomatic or exposed to someone with COVID or someone who had traveled. So in that sense, we felt it was only appropriate that pharmacists should be reimbursed for their time and assessment of that patient. So what our funding model does is cover patient a screening component, and then subsequently should testing occur for that patient, 
There's a separate fee for testing of the patient, and that fee includes the cost of PPE. And then there's a third funding component to cover the cost of transportation to the test sample back to the lab. So that's how we landed on the compensation pieces. Again, because it was a new program, Alberta Health was very adamant that it should be um, contained within the pharmacy environment as we know it, so appropriate cleaning and safety could occur around um, the swabbing. So that was, as Bruce mentioned, the patient is swabbed within the pharmacy private counseling area. And currently we're talking to the government about can that be changed or expanded, especially in light of our current Alberta health influenza or our public health um, influenza policy, whereby they're allowing influenza immunization vaccines this year to happen outside the walls of our pharmacies. So we're trying to seek some type of um, commonality around some of the policies and guidelines that exist. But of course, they are certainly discussions that overlay different departments of government. And so um, they're ongoing at this time. Margaret, how many stores are participating at present? Currently, we have 462 pharmacies that are doing COVID testing. And that's out of approximately the 1,500 pharmacies that are in Alberta. As of the end of August, pharmacists have already completed over 65,000 COVID tests. And to give you an idea of how that fits into Alberta, Alberta Health Services has completed over a million COVID tests to date. So um, we're just getting our toe in the water with this one to get going. It's fantastic, though, that uh, you led the way to introduce this type of program. Uh, I often talk about uh, the changing and transformation of the uh, pharmacy practice model, and I, I'm a firm believer that these types of initiatives are where the future is going to be as it relates to demonstrating our value, but also uh, stepping up at a time of need. Uh, certainly during a pandemic, um, we have demonstrated how pharmacists can contribute solutions. Uh, and I think this is certainly going to take uh, a lot of different forms as you learn from the experiences. So congratulations from uh, the perspective of getting this uh, over the finish line and uh, in place first in, in Canada. Certainly an amazing feat. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit, uh, Bruce, uh, about um, some of the comments you made uh, in the outset as you provided the overview, because you know, I was jotting down notes, um, <laughs> copious notes, because I just find this area so uh, fascinating. And I know there's lots of questions coming in um, across the country from pharmacists about you know, how exactly this works. And you mentioned about um, some of the reservations of uh, uh, some pharmacy professionals and and what do you think it's going to take to bring people to uh, uh, a comfort level? Is it sort of a wait and see and, and uh, people understand how it's going to work? Is it education, uh, awareness of uh, all the safety protocols? I'm just wondering what your thoughts are to uh, to bring comfort to uh, to pharmacists on this. Well, I can say that within my team, for the most part, 
it's not what they're uncomfortable with in terms of their skill set. It it's more something to do with in uh, you know within a relationship uh, in their personal life. Uh, for example, you know uh, maybe their spouse or partner is uncomfortable with them testing, or maybe they have extended family living with them elders in the house, uh, that kind of thing. I've, I've really not had any of my team come to me um, to ask if, if this is the place for pharmacy or, or to question whether um, they have been or could be trained sufficiently for the service. I know that there were, there were questions like that uh, within the general pharmacy community. Um, and you know, or questions about whether this is the right place for pharmacy. I personally feel that, you know, the throat swab is a technical task. So I'm always happy to have a discussion with colleagues about who should be performing the swab in the pharmacy. But within the guidelines that we're living under, and Margaret touched on them, the pharmacist ordering the test has to have a practice ID. And the Alberta College of Pharmacy says that the person ordering a lab uh, or, you know, that that is signing off on the lab rec has to be the same person that's doing the throat swab. So, you know, that really takes technicians out of the equation for us for now. Um, you know, in terms of whether pharmacy should be should be doing this, I have a personal bias that that pharmacy should be supporting public health initiatives. And, and you know, to be honest, my team understands uh, my point of view. When we announced to our membership that we were putting a proposal in that pharmacists should be offering COVID testing, quite honestly, there was very little opposition. And I'll just say that putting in the perspective you know, with the perspective that there's 5,800 pharmacists in this province. So that's not to dismiss the concerns that did come forward, but there wasn't as many as I think, you know, we're suggesting there was. When I try and reflect on the concerns that did come forward, I'll say there seemed to be two general issues. The first was related to what has indicated around what is the pharmacist currently dealing with. And right now that is um, a huge amount of workload. So this question of capacity, how much work can the pharmacist do keeps coming forward. Because remember in March and April, and even now we're just still dealing with this huge drug shortage situation. Um, there's so much going on. We're concerned about kids going back to school, we're concerned about flu season come up, and how much more can you ask the pharmacist to do? So that is a very, very valid concern. But I think when I reflect on that, I will say that was obviously why this is a voluntary program. Um, you know, there's going to be pharmacists that just are not going to be able to offer this service. And also, I'll just you know, my bias is we spend a lot of time with the students at the U of A and the new graduates coming out that are PharmD, and I consistently hear their concerns related to trying to find employment. And so I think it's really important that 
at least at the association level, we can stay responsive, try and create new innovative care opportunities where they can practice to their full scope because they're an incredibly knowledgeable group of graduates coming out. And we need to make sure that, you know, as citizens, we're um, in enabling these um, really great kids that are graduating. So I, I have to flag that. I think the other issue that, you know, we've been hearing from pharmacists, I will say is predominantly outside of Alberta, pharmacists from outside of Alberta is this conversation about what our lane is, you know, and I guess specifically with regards to what is our scope, <clears throat> excuse me, and our primary role as pharmacists and as it relates to um, medications. But Again, in Alberta, our scope changed 14 years ago. So we were pushed outside of our comfort zone a long time ago. And I feel that it's um, maybe less of a concern for pharmacists here that have been practicing to their full scope. And, you know, we have to keep having this conversation that we hear that our current model is broken, that, you know, if we just stay in our role related to dispensing of medication, that that's no longer going to work in the future. So I think we have to be honest with ourselves and say, you know, what is the need of the patient and what do we as a profession stand up and say that we can offer and do for them that is within our knowledge and skill set. So that might push us outside of our comfort zone, but, you know, status quo just doesn't work anymore. You're right. There's so many disruptions. And I, I think embracing some of these opportunities um, where we have the education expertise only demonstrates how we really are looking after patients' needs. And, and I think when we, when we look at that transformation, medication management will always be an anchor and it certainly will be a part of services that we do. But I think we pigeonhole ourselves sometimes if we just say we're medication managers because taking a holistic approach to how are we going to help patients in some ways, it might be um, helping them to de-prescribe and getting off of a medication. Uh, it, it could come in so many different forms. Uh, and that trust that the pharmacist has with the patient is, is so valuable in the access that we've talked about. Uh, but we need to take advantage of that. We need to leverage it. Uh, and I think in Alberta, you've demonstrated, uh, as you said, over 14 years of embracing this and, and providing the support that the pharmacists need to adopt a new scope. And I think that's also critical. I wanted to ask uh, you about the efficacy of the test because I, you know, I read a lot about different tests and we're talking now about looking at saliva tests and rapid uh, point of care testing. Uh, eventually, you know, take home uh, tests uh, is perhaps the future when approved by Health Canada. But what, what, like, I guess, did you have those discussions with the government? Where do you stand on the efficacy of the throat swab versus nasal swab? And uh, where does all that stand? Well, I, uh, uh, thanks. I, I do, you know, remember being um, uh, a party to like a session uh, where Dr. Hinshaw, uh, our chief medical officer of health, was speaking um, in one of her uh, educational discussions with mostly primarily physicians, but other healthcare professionals. And she was talking about um, uh, the throat swab as being 
similar sensitivity to the nasopharyngeal swab. That's great to know. I think the, uh, you know, listeners, uh, pharmacists and general public, um, you know, there's a lot of information that uh, people are trying to gather about this. And uh, the fact that you've demonstrated that this works um, and uh, the number of tests you've done, I think, is a testament to the approach that you've taken in Alberta. Wanted to ask you, uh, and this is really for both of you, um, what the, the response has been with other healthcare professionals, particularly physicians and nurse practitioners to this um, and, and how that uh, you see that evolving with this. I find it so interesting um, that you're asking this question because, you know, frankly, I, I just don't really worry about this too much anymore. Um, I'm sure it happens where, you know, a physician has uh, some questions about, you know, what is going on um, in a particular pharmacy practice. Um, but, you know, like, like Margaret said, um, our scope of practice changed over a dozen, you know, 14 years ago. And um, uh, this is just the world that we're living in. I, I'm sure that, you know, when I see it come up, usually uh, there is some form of personality conflict because uh, there's a personnel change in the pharmacy or a new physician has entered a practice. Uh, they came from a practice where, you know, pharmacy was, was stuck in a dispensing model. Um, but it doesn't happen very often. Um, it, uh, you know, when I think about it now, it, it usually comes down to a breakdown in communication. And, you know, uh, in my role that I play uh, in my organization, I generally get called in to try and mediate a conflict before it blows up. Um, so I don't really, I, uh, I'm sure that this, um, this occurs, but I don't really hear of it much anymore. Um, I, I, I haven't really, in, in terms of COVID, asymptomatic COVID testing, I have not heard any question coming from another healthcare provider uh, um, about, you know, pharmacy's position with asymptomatic COVID testing. Uh, um, in fact, I know of some medical clinics who, who are recommending to their staff that they visit the pharmacy, you know, on a, a periodic basis um, to get tested. Um, so if I could go back just for a moment, um, because, you know, I think the questions that were coming up were mostly coming up from the pharmacy community. Um, you know, they were, they were asking um, if this was pharmacy's role in, in, in testing. And, and one that did come up was, you know, what to do if there was a positive test? You know, do we need to shut down? Well, you know, um, so far in, in my group of stores, we've had three positive results. Uh, two of the positives were from public tests, and one of them was an asymptomatic staff, staff member who tested positive. And, you know, it's a really interesting conversation with staff when a positive comes back. Um, usually the pharmacist takes it in stride, uh, but I have to admit that it's a longer conversation with support staff. You know, I remind them all the time that the point of testing is to identify positive patients and to get them out of circulation. I tell them that, you know, the patient who was who tested positive could have just been visiting the pharmacy 
uh, and presenting a paper prescription for filling and interacting with staff and customers while they're waiting for, for their prescription to get filled. And we wouldn't have known that they were positive, but we would have probably been at more risk of contracting the virus in that case than we were when they were just in the store for a couple of moments or minutes um, getting a swab when the pharmacist, you know, was wearing the proper PPE. And, you know, uh, by identifying our staff person who was positive, we were able to get them and, you know, all the other staff who were at risk to self-isolate. And I think we should feel good that, you know, we were able to help slow down the spread of the virus. Um, we made sure that our cleaning protocols uh, were sound and, um, and you know, for us, we, uh, when the staff uh, positive came back, um, we did a more thorough cleaning and, um, and all of those people then went into self-isolation for 14 days. And they all tested, uh, they all, all got tested and they were all negative. I found it striking and disappointing, frankly, uh, when I was reading the material uh, in the public uh, campaign against um, pediatric vaccinations by pharmacists in the U.S. Um, and although it's not, you know, obviously directly related to Canadian scope of practice, it just shows you how much further, certainly outside of Alberta, we have to go to demonstrate the expertise and education of pharmacists and the the role of pharmacy as it relates to you know, delivering things like administering uh, vaccinations. The, the American Medical Association has taken to social media in particular uh, against any expanded scope of vaccinations, even though, you know, we're talking testing today, but even though vaccinations have been proven to be effective through pharmacies, uh, that the public has, uh, you know, generally accepted that, the convenience factor and the number of vaccinations are in fact going up because of it. So, but there's, there's an example or at least an illustration of how, you know, we still have work to do in certain areas to uh, convince uh, certain policymakers and other healthcare providers. Um, so Margaret, I, I know you have a different scenario in context in Alberta, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, you know, I want to comment that um, when, when the discussion around physicians and pharmacists role in COVID testing, I, I never heard anything from them, but I think we have to reflect what was happening and is happening in the you know current Alberta environment. Many physicians stepped away from their practices when when COVID hit hard in March, and so we were hearing from pharmacists that they were being left to you know pick up and carry the workload that was you know being put upon them. So. Many, many, and the majority of our practices, I think, are in rural locations. And so when physicians close their clinics, because that's what was happening, um, pharmacists were essentially, you know, doing what they do. And they stepped up to the plate and they were writing all the prescriptions that need to be written. They were doing all the renewals that needed to be written. And physicians were, you know, figuring out how they were going to work in a virtual environment where pharmacists were there providing direct patient care and they were the essential and are the essential primary caregivers in many communities in our province. And I don't have any problem saying that because that's the role they're playing. So I don't think there was any concern 
from physicians or nurses for pharmacists doing testing because they are, and in many cases, providing all of the care related to the patient. So, I, you know, I, I just think that maybe that's the story that has to be told. Um, you know, with regards to the vaccination conversation, again, it's the Alberta story where pharmacists were the first providing vaccines and drugs by injections in all capacities. It's not limited to influenza. It is, again, a predominant role that we play within provision of care for patients. Um, there's over 850,000 influenza vaccines given last year. So we're the primary care provider related to influenza vaccines. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll have the conversation about what happens when the COVID vaccine comes out. But also that was part of our rationale for pharmacists for getting pharmacists into the role right now around a screening related to COVID because we knew that it was going to be a natural fit for pharmacists to also offer the vaccine. You flagged something very important, which is the age limit to which we can offer um, injections to patients and that in Alberta is currently uh, ages five and older. So we do have an age limit. Um, we're currently in conversations with our college to see if that can be moved. But of course, it does take a long time to create those changes. So it's early days. I know that our college is looking at it. Um, they know we would like to see that age limit dropped. And it's, I mean, I think it's just important because, again, it's trying to be responsive to the need of the patient versus, you know, us staying in our comfort zone. You raised a great point about physicians' offices closing during uh, different periods of time for the pandemic, but also if we have a second wave, and we're starting to see some of those uh, cases of COVID increase across the country, we could be faced with yet another scenario where some offices are closed and patients are dispersed. So what a great opportunity for patients to go into their pharmacy to administer a vaccination, and as you said, beyond just influenza. But certainly when we look at COVID-19 eventual vaccine uh, and pediatrics, because I, I think there is a gap. I think there may be uh, some challenges there from a healthcare system perspective, and we're in an ideal position to add capacity to that. So I want to thank both uh, you, Margaret, and uh, Bruce for sharing your insights and thoughts on this uh, very important topic. Uh, I know the conversations here in Ontario are continuing um, with our members and in the broader pharmacy sector as well uh, as with the government, and, and we're cautiously optimistic uh, that we'll see some progress uh, and be ready for a second wave uh, and have adding capacity to the, the system with pharmacy's role here, uh, in addition to managing through the flu season uh, and hopefully being uh, one of the providers of the uh, uh, COVID-19 vaccine. This has been a great discussion on how testing is working in Alberta, and we will be sure to follow up in the months to come to find out how it continues to progress. One additional insight I learned about the COVID testing experience in Alberta is how patients have appreciated the access to testing in pharmacies and expressed their gratitude toward pharmacists. I think more broadly that there are many pharmacists embracing this testing model and ready to step up and provide this level of service. 
Well, that's all the time we have for today. And I want to thank Margaret and Bruce for sharing your insights with us. A reminder to subscribe to our podcast and drop us a note with any questions or comments you have. Be well and stay safe out there.